0: Welcome back. Hey, I just wanted to shout out to everyone to thank them for their support for the podcast so far. As of today, we have around about six and a half thousand downloads, which is way more than I'd expected that we'd have at this point in time. So thanks. And don't forget to share it so we can get the word out there. So that other people can hear what God is doing in people's lives today Why not send them the website link www.revivalontheairtoday.com To someone who doesn't yet know God In our episode today we have our guest host back, Simon Who's interviewing Chris from Western Australia You're going to hear an amazing story from Chris Who today is no longer dealing with drugs, the homelessness or the severity of mental illness that he was suffering from we obviously believe in the ability for God to heal all manner of physical, emotional, and mental conditions. However, just a warning that there's part of our conversation where suicide is referenced. If this is a trigger for you, or if you need immediate help regarding suicide or mental health, then please contact Beyond Blue Support Service via phone 24 7 on 1300 22 46 36 or visit beyondblue.org.au. Or you can also contact Lifeline on 13 Double one one four or visit lifeline.org.au. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, welcome, Chris.
1: Thank you. Let's uh, get things started. Tell me about how you came to know God initially.
2: Uh, Well, I was brought up in the fellowship. Um, Mum and dad, uh, they eventually split uh, and I received the Spirit. Got baptized.
1: How old were you when you received?
2: Seven, I think. Just just turned seven.
1: Spoken tongues at seven. Spoken tongues. Was baptized shortly after.
2: Uh, a couple of days after, yeah. Um, got my testimony starts before that. I had schizophrenia very, very young. Nobody knew what it was. Uh, be walking through the hall or something, and then uh, I get like possessed by this this evil confusing um, feeling like everything around me would be sped up by times two like you're playing it on a, a DVD player, your times it by two and uh, I'd be like a hundred people around me screaming and arguing and I couldn't get rid of it and it was really really confusing for me as a kid um, and I also had borderline personality disorder which just means like I can't handle emotions mm. instead of having a little bit of anger it'd be a hundred percent anger and if it's a little bit of sadness it'd be a hundred percent sadness in in high doses there's no medium there's a hundred percent or there's nothing um so that was before I got the spirit and uh
1: wow so when were you actually diagnosed with that? Oh uh, later on I was diagnosed. Um, but when did you start thinking about that?
2: Um by the age of I think it was six and a half uh, I think I told my mum I was ready to die like just a very, very up-and-down childhood. And uh, she says that I probably would have been diagnosed with depression if we went to the doctors
1: at that age. Was this something that you think was affected by outside influences or...?
2: My grandma has mental illnesses, so... Sort of
1: runs in the family, perhaps. May do,
2: yeah. It was a lot of, um, sort of environmental, but it is a little bit of the genetical as well, I guess. Like, uh, I was on the
1: uh, the spectrum, so... Um, so things started pretty early then.
2: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit rough, but I didn't think of anything on it because it was all I knew. So I just thought it was normal, and I thought everybody was the same. Um,
1: and what prompted you to want to pray for the Holy Spirit? Do you do you remember that at all? Or yeah. Was it? Uh,
2: everyone else was getting it. I knew it was real. I knew it was the thing to do to get to heaven. It was in the Bible. It was what everybody said, and I saw it was a. A thing that everybody did, so everyone does the same thing and gets the same result. So it's fact. So I needed to get in on that.
1: So then you receive the Spirit and you you baptised and and that was at about seven.
2: Yeah, about seven. And um, I don't I don't remember receiving the Spirit because it, it was so long ago. Uh, but I remember a video of me getting baptised. That's about it.
1: Um, All right. So you receive the Spirit at seven and you're baptised. And then, after, after that
2: that oh so I just did regular school life uh It was a bit difficult because because of the mental illness, I didn't make too many friends. Part of the reason I left later on is because of all this stuff I um started to the turn turn from God because i I blamed him for for my mental illness and my depression, and I wondered why he would create somebody that hated themselves and hated everybody else and hated everything. Like, why would you create someone and then tell them they had to love you and they had to love everyone else?
1: That's a very interesting perspective. And I imagine that was your mindset all the way through through school, you said? Yeah. It's an interesting perspective because at that age, couldn't blame you for maybe thinking anything else because of maybe the circumstances around your mental illness. So blaming God was probably an easy thing to do because you had the Holy Spirit and you were meant to be something else I suppose and and perhaps others around you weren't suffering the same circumstances and that I imagine that that played into it
2: yeah everyone else got to be this overjoyed extra happy fulfilled um burden-free people and I sat there feeling like I was just this dark problematic causing person just rolled through life with a storm over my head uh it was it was all for a good reason now but at the time it was It was dark, so uh, I blamed God a bit for that because I knew he was real and I knew he created everything, so therefore, logically, I knew he created me and I hated myself and I didn't like someone that would create somebody to hate themselves and not want to exist, so uh, I looked elsewhere for uh, fulfillment and uh, eventually uh, got into trying to be cool at school and um, I uh yeah, started smoking cigarettes with some friends every now and then and got into that and then uh someone eventually offered me weed I tried that and it was when I did it like people say, uh oh, drugs are bad, drugs are bad and stuff, but they don't tell you how how good drugs can be. And that's why they're so addictive and I, I had even even just weed, the, the starting thing, was the most happiest I would felt in my whole life, just on the first puff. Like uh I was hooked on the spot on, on drugs and then uh because I was so sheltered from it, I didn't know many many things about drugs at all, and so I just thought they were all bad. They're all on the same level. I didn't realise crack was worse than weed and heroin was worse than pills and stuff. So I just figured they're all on the same level, and it was a bit of a downhill from there.
1: Did you did you find that because you you were in such a dark place that do you think in hindsight that perhaps the smoking marijuana was it just made you happy so instantly you thought that's what I want to do now.
2: Yeah, I was a really logical, really logical person to to a, a negative, I guess. Like if I just saw this happens when I do it, then why wouldn't I? Like there was nothing else. If if I wanted it, I would go do it. That's, it was a bit hard to, to work any other way around it in my mind at the time. Mm. So weed made me very, very happy when I was very sad and all I had to do was smoke it. I thought, oh, well, why not? Like... Maybe this is of God. I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it, and it was just a downhill from there. Um, eventually, I uh, started dealing a bit at school, just because it made it a hell of a lot easier to to afford it, and um, strayed further away from God. I started telling Mum I didn't really want to go to the church anymore, and then I I went to her, one of the pastors and told him I did it, and it was just, it was all all really. It didn't really go that well. They told me, "Oh, you're gonna." Gonna burn in hell, blah blah blah, all this negative stuff. I'm like, well, so what? I'm gonna be happy for a little bit beforehand, and um eventually a pastor did come around, and he was a lot nicer
1: about how to explain it, and I was grateful for that.
2: But it was a bit late by then.
1: So, if you don't mind me asking, how how did the pastor explain it? That made it a bit easier to understand.
2: Uh, he just told me that he he was there as an open door if I ever needed a talk, and he shared some scriptures with me, saying like. Like uh, praying is still good, even if I don't come along, I can still pray. I can still read. I can still talk to God. It was it was nice to know that it was um there's still support there even though mm. I turned away. So,
1: and you can look at that now and think, uh, although you may not recognise it at the time, that's the relationship that we have with God as well. That mm. when it says, you know, that He will never leave us or forsake us.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um. So uh, the downhill roller coaster sort of began. So mental illness and drugs didn't really go that well. Uh, eventually someone uh, showed me other drugs. At the time, I really only thought weed was it. And uh, people were like, oh, there's other ones. So I thought it was just like a just like a video game. Like, oh, there's one video game. There's a different one you can put in your Xbox. So I thought, oh, cool, there's a different drug I can take. I thought it was all on the same level as weed. So I um, started taking pills. and started smoking a bit of meth every now and then. Uh, and the first time I had meth, uh, it was like unbelievable uh, how bad it is, is how good it is. You'll never forget the feeling of the first time, but you'll never also ever feel that ever again because it's sort of, um, say, your mid-range, your regular everyday feeling is, is at a certain level. You get high, you go up, and then you come all the way down. Eventually, the high gets less. Your normal life gets less and your, your come down gets even worse. Is that as your body gets used to it? Yeah. Yeah. So eventually at the start, you're, you're sad and you smoke to be happy. Then you're depressed and you smoke to be sad. And then you're suicidal and you smoke just to be depressed and not suicidal anymore. And um, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a big hole. Yeah, and you can't get out of it. And wow. by the time you're suicidal, it's a bit late. You've got to take those drugs mm.
1: or you kill yourself. Is there any option for, while well, you're in that, when you're in that hole, is it, is the mindset like, need to keep doing this just to stay alive, but at the same time, I know that I could die doing this?
2: Um, it's it's a bit of a, a massive blur of the years, uh, but I do remember one point sitting in a house with a few mates and uh, I was sobering up and uh, we'd been waiting for our next hit for, I think it was, I think a good eight hours or something ridiculous. And uh, I looked at my mate and I said, is this all we do? Is it we wait to get high, get high, and then wait to get high? And, and he said, yeah. And uh, I kind of thought, oh, like that was a big, big, massive hit to me at the time. But I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. And uh, I tried a couple of times to get off. Mum said I went to rehab three times in total, but I only remember going once. And that was the end. So I must have been pretty out of it the whole time. Um,
1: wow. Wow. That's just to, to think about that, not even knowing that you went to rehab. Yeah. What do you mean by that you were you were waiting for a hit? Does that mean you were waiting, waiting to Just waiting for my dealer to come down. Uh, just waiting that's, for another supply. That's, yeah.
2: That's all you did. You just, you get high and then once, even sometimes before your high comes down, you're looking at another way to get high. Either you go out in the middle of the night and you're just pop handles on a door until you find a car door open and then mm. get the change or you just look for something to steal or you wait on your link. It's, it's all you do. It's all you ever do. There's nothing else to it mm. just so you can get high. Um,
1: so after the rehab, you were mentioning the Wins rehab three times. You remember one of them? You were about 15, 16, you said?
2: Uh, um, so At the time when I was 16 or something, uh, I decided to leave... Leave my dad's place and live on the street. And uh, this is where I started to, because I always, I never ever forsake God. I always knew He was real. I always knew He was the truth and the life. I just thought maybe there was just something wrong with me because obviously God's perfect. He's a perfect being. There's nothing wrong with Him. So I just thought, oh, all right, something wrong with me. Maybe I'm just too close to the
1: devil or something without knowing it and and that you didn't deserve god so it didn't really matter or? i just
2: thought we just we didn't meld for some reason like we just didn't work um but i always always knew i could still pray to him and i did a lot um while you were yeah while i was drugs. On, on drugs and on the street um so when i ran away from my dad's i uh the lord always always gave me somewhere safe to stay i always had food somehow and um I always had protection. Uh, the first, yeah, when I first ran away, uh, I, found, I met a guy. The same day, he let me move into his house, and I was there for like six months, rent free. Then I moved from his, moved somewhere else for another six months, rent free, and then uh, eventually I thought, oh, this is it's too difficult living with people, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go live on the street, and uh, I did. Uh, I lived in Scarborough Beach, and uh, I lived there for a good. I think it was nine months on the street. I was just in and out of different places and um living in car parks and stuff just just because I could I guess it was the freedom of it and uh, I always had somewhere safe to stay. I always had uh if i if I was in a bit of a dodgy situation, I always had someone tough around me to to help me out so you're living with friends essentially some sometimes yeah like some some nights I'd be in a in a toilet block um just trying to get some sleep until the next day and then go search out some friends to try and find something to, to get high on and then uh, it's just, it's all you do. It's just a circle of destruction and uh, everyone around you gets taken down with you um, just because your one focus is to get high. That's all it is.
1: And you're aware of the situation that you're living on the street and that, that might not be ideal, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I figured
2: I don't have to pay rent. I don't have to pay anybody to live with them or bills or anything, so all
1: my money can go towards a gear. While, you, while you're in this, is there ever a point or, or does it happen often where you think long-term uh, or, or do you even think about the, the, the long-term? I've uh,
2: never never thought about the long-term. Like My long-term goal was to be a big enough drug dealer where I never had to be without drugs. That was all I had for a long-term goal. It was just all drugs. But when I was on the street, the Lord. I still prayed to the Lord sometimes. Like uh, I had, uh, I used to get these things called a, I guess, a bad gut feeling, and uh, it was so perfect and so on point. I know it was off the Lord. Like um, we, me and my friends, would go to get off uh, at a train station, and then um, I'd get this bad gut feeling, and it'd be painful in my stomach, and I'd be like, "Oh no, nah, I'm not going to get off at this stop. I'll get off at the next stop." And some friends would get off at that stop and someone stay with me and the friends that got off at that stop, there was a, another crew there waiting for them and bashed them and then took all their money and I got off at of the next one completely fine. Or we go to, um, uh, one time I was taking a, a stolen car back and uh, I, um, I was like, oh no, nah, let's not take it back now. My other mate was like, yeah, let's do it now, let's do it now. I'm like, no, 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 let's do it later. Uh, I jumped out of the driver's seat and let one of my mates take it back and I, I walked home. He took it back and there was cops waiting for them there. Uh, like, it just, it saved me a lot. Uh, this gut feeling got to the point every time. It was so on point. All my friends at the end trusted it. If I got a bad gut feeling, everybody went with me and we we never, we were, we were out of harm's way. That's but, incredible. Yeah. Um, most of my friends knew I was Christian. Like, uh, I wasn't, obviously I was an active Christian, but uh, the, the further into it, I got the... Um, the more I started talking about God, but the more it sort of twisted up inside of me at the same time. Uh, When I was a bit older, uh, when I was dealing more and uh, doing drop-offs and stuff, uh, people would call me the Christian drug dealer because religion and crack, uh, they kind of go hand in hand because you start exploring everything. Like uh, as soon as you spend a couple of days awake, you start delving into mysteries or you start delving into religion. There's, There's either one of those things. And uh, a lot of us would, would start talking about God and they'll be like, I actually know the truth, guys. And so I'd tell them sometimes we'd get the scriptures out and be like, look here, you got to receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to get baptized. And then obviously because we're all high, they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, sounds great, let's do it. And then sometimes we'd sit there and I'd speak in tongues and they'd try and pray for the Holy Spirit. Obviously no one ever received, I guess, because we were all doing it for the wrong way. But, uh, yeah, I guess it sucks in a way because I can never witness to them because they all think I'm high. Um. Yeah, they would think I'm back on the gear, because 'cause I'd be telling them the same thing I did then. But it, it was always sat inside of me. But each time I I did speak about it, I would feel more sick inside, knowing that I'm I'm not doing it. And sometimes they'd ask me, "Well, are you going to heaven then? Because you're saved." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't think so."
1: And or well, you're honest.
2: Yeah, I I just I didn't think I would. I don't know. I know I had the Holy Spirit, but uh, I wasn't doing anything with it. Um, there was a while there I had some like a massive bout of suicide attempts there was a while I couldn't get any drugs um and uh I had tried to overdose on a whole bunch of stuff like uh, a lot of doctor's pills and I ended up in hospital and from then on it was just a in and out of psych wards in and out in and out heaps and uh, mum was there a lot and the fellowship prayed for me heaps I don't actually remember but there was just a, a point in time and I just I stopped trying to kill myself Um yeah, I know I know you don't just stop being depressed. Like that, that was definitely
1: of the Lord, especially when you've had a history of it yeah. and when obviously affected by a drug um illness and, mm. and associated things like that. It was um
2: it got so bad that uh the Bunbury Regional Hospital actually said that I can come back anytime cuz I'd been in and out so many times. Like I could just walk up to the doors and they'd find me a bed um which is pretty sad but uh the the time they said that was the last time I ever went there so um praise the lord for that definitely just towards the end of of all my drug stuff i think it was coming up to my 21st birthday and uh i was dealing pretty heavily at the time um and uh this is just after i'd been witnessing a lot and um i was just getting to the point where i thought oh this is this is all i'm going to be so i'm i'm, I'm going to die on drugs or I'm going to get out of it um by my 21st birthday so I prayed um started praying a little bit and I was like lord like i think there's about 5 days to my birthday lord you got to got to help me get out of this and the next day uh, I met a couple of bikies and started moving up a little bit more like and then in the ranks of dealing yeah yeah so uh, I prayed again next day I met them again and like I just it was it was a little bit I think it was over a couple of weeks, but the last five days at the mostly, but it was yeah, it just kept getting worse and worse and I kept getting more drugs and um and then I think it was two days beforehand, I said, Oh Lord, like you gotta get me off of this, otherwise I'm just gonna die here and I'm gonna die a junkie and I'm not gonna get eternal glory, I'm not gonna get heaven. And um I find myself on my birthday at at my mum's place, detoxing, like I had the opportunity to go to my dealer's house and he had, I think it was he had like 10 grand worth of drugs for me to celebrate my 21st birthday. Oh, my goodness. I had the opportunity to, to go over there and do a whole bunch of hot rails and probably overdose. What is a, a hot rail? Uh, Briefly. It's just a way of doing it. That's pretty lethal. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I was at my mum's place and I'd, uh, I'd cashed out. I'd sold. I'd sold all my drugs. I didn't have anything left on me. And um, I don't know why I didn't go there, but I didn't, and then I told, told Mum I think she kind of knew because she saw something come up on my Facebook that I was dealing. Um, and I said, "Oh look, I need to need to go to rehab." And she's like, "Okay, let's do it." And uh, we called around and we caught up this one this one rehab that that was a bit small, and he messaged back, he's like, "Oh, can you meet me at Macca's? And Mum and me were like, "Oh, it's a bit it's a bit sus." So we rocked up there anyway, and he said, "Oh, he will talk to the board." And uh, I was into a rehab in, I think it was under four hours, and the usual usual waiting is about nine months, or yeah, six or nine months for a waiting list for a rehab. And I was in four hours, the fastest ever.
0: Hmm.
2: And uh, from then on, it was it was just a, a massive recovery. I, I went in there, and still, I still a lot of trials in there with uh, my mental illness because I still had it at the time. Just I wasn't depressed; that's that was healed.
1: I just want to, just before we go into this next stage here, a couple of things. Firstly, may I say, I think it's incredible how you stayed in touch with God through this whole time and obviously God stays in touch with you, but I just think that's amazing. But also I just want to ask, like, what sort of um, insight did your mum have into all of this? Um, did she, was she aware of the situation as well? And obviously she would have been praying, but...
2: Yeah, she prayed a lot. She she kind of was aware, but, like, as, as most addicts do, they come back, oh, I'm clean now. And, of course, my mother, because she loved me so much, she'd go, oh, good, you're clean, and then believe me that I'm clean. And then eventually I'd delve back into it, and then I'd come back, and I'm clean now, and then I'd delve back into it. And um, because because she is my mother... Even if she could, even if the signs were there, she wouldn't see them. If that makes sense, like just because she loved me
1: so much, yeah, she wants to see the, the positive side as much yeah, as possible. Yeah, I understand that.
2: But she kind of did know in her heart as well, and yeah. she she never ever ever gave up on me once, ever. And um, that's that's a massive massive part of my walk is my mum. Yeah, she never ever gave up, and I treated her very badly, like regretful badly. Um, there was, I mean, it was part of my mental illness, but one point, um, uh, I was, I was mixed up in all of it. And I just, I said, oh, she said she loved me. And I'm like, oh, the only reason you love me is because you want me to come back to church and said some evil stuff like that. And she, she still never gave up. She still trusted the Lord that I'd come back. She still prayed for me every single day. And, um, that's a massive, massive deal. So that's amazing. Testament to her and, and God. Absolutely. And she had a lot of problems along the way. Like, um, i think the time that i I got bashed um well i started a fight with with eight maoris and obviously you don't win that fight but i almost did anyway i ended up getting curb stomped and um flown over to royal perth hospital and there she had the whole fellowship praying for me but um i came out of that perfectly fine just because i was so blasé from the drugs that nothing affected me anymore but she came out with ptsd and um she could barely walk outside without seeing me on the ground, blood pouring out of my head. Um, and, yeah, a lot of what I did affected her, even though I tried to keep it away because I knew I was a, a whirlwind of chaos. Um, she, yeah, she never gave up and she, she took a lot of it to
1: heart, but that was that's her testimony. Yeah. she's She's come out of that as well. She's got an amazing testimony. Perhaps one day we'd hear from her as well from that. That healing of, of course as well yeah
2: um, speaking of that healing um, I because uh, uh, I got curb stomped I was I was in hospital and I had bleeding on my brain and I was meant to be in there for a long time learning to walk and talk again and uh, I was out of the hospital in three days um, which the doctors were very surprised and um, yeah I was completely fine like I barely even touched from that but I had some serious damage done to my skull um praise the Lord so anyway I went to rehab and they were they're aligned with another church, be a big global heart church, and they um they've got club lights and like uh, five singers and dancers up the front, two guitarists, the whole shebang. Like it's like going to a rock concert, everyone's up and dancing and stuff. And I was, when I first turned up, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. They believe in the same thing, do like we do that um people get baptised and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And um eventually, the longer I stay there, the longer I realised it's a bit iffy, like some of us can get spirit-filled, some of them can get baptised, it's not necessary as long as you give your heart to the Lord and you say the sinner's prayer, which was different every time. And uh, so I started to poke holes at them and ask them questions, which made um, made them turn on me a little bit, but it was, it was all the Lord at the same time. It was the way to drive me back to our church mm. is to show me how wrong the other church was, uh, which was perfect for me. It made me go, well, why made me sharpen my sword so much because I was going well why do you guys believe this when the Bible says that and then I'd go test, text pastor Kevin I'd uh, send him scriptures that they gave me and he'd send them back and saying this is that and this is this is why and uh, eventually they kicked me out of the rehab because uh I was I was spreading gossip and some other stuff which was sending our scriptures and um, they didn't like what I was doing to the other guys in the rehab as well because I was I was showing them all oh, because where they, well, they'd try and open up for, for scripture in the morning, we'd have to pick a scripture. So I'd go to the guys and be like, oh, try this scripture, try that scripture, read this book. And um, they'd come out and uh, I'd give them scriptures about the Holy Spirit and people receiving the Holy Spirit. And um, they then they'd go to the boys, oh, you, you don't need to, to get into that right now. You should just look at the easy stuff like Psalms. And I'm like, why not tell them the truth straight up? And uh, they got annoyed at that. So eventually when I did did get kicked out, mum came pick picked me up. How old were you, when seven? Uh, just past 21 i was only in there for three
1: months so this journey uh, you're fifteen, sixteen when you started dealing yeah and then pretty much everything we've talked about has gone right up until this point when yeah, you, when you so, get 21 into rehab
2: yeah fifteen, sixteen was the start of dealing i got more heavily into dealing i started dealing like because at the start i was only dealing weed eventually i started dealing meth because it's a hell of a lot
1: more lucrative Yep. um and then... So, yeah, right up until everything that happened that we already talked about. Yeah, yeah, suicide attempts like throughout it, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so I come out of rehab, mum lets me come home, and uh, I haven't touched a single drug since ever. I haven't, haven't touched anything. I, mean, I still had a, a bit of a smoking habit at the time, um, but I think I think it was another four or five months, six months maybe, I still smoked for. It was, it's a bit too hard to quit because... I'd stop smoking, and then I'd just get massive anger issues and start punching walls and stuff, which was to do with mental illness as well. Uh, so eventually, one point, uh, one of the brothers messaged me. He's like, oh, "I know he's you smoke, cause he can smell it." And he's like, oh, "What are you not doing?" I'm like, "I just had a prayer and fast. Like, I've done everything I can. I don't know what else to do." And I was driving home from his place, and um, I was like, oh, "All right, this is it. I've got to. I've got to kick the habit. I've got to do it with the Lord." And I got ready to throw the packet out the window. I'm like, ah, oh, the Lord wouldn't allow that because it's it's littering. So, um, <laughs> so I got home and then I put it in the bin, put the lighters in the bin, and then um, I haven't had a cigarette since. Like, uh, been healed from that on the spot. Uh, I got healed from all my mental illness uh, a bit bit later after that. I went up to one of the pastors and I thought I told him because I just felt ready. To get off my medication, I was on some heavy, heavy medication like Seroquel and some other stuff. Yep. Um, and because of because of that, I had to take other medication because I'm on the heavy stuff. And then because I was on the other stuff, I had to I had to take like three or four different ones just because I'm on one medication to counteract each one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I told him, "Oh, look, I feel ready to to come off, but I feel like the Lord's pushing me, and I don't even know why." I said it. I just I felt it. And he said, "Oh, I'll probably just consult your doctor and." So I went home. And I'm like, nah, uh, I'm ready. And it was a, a long weekend, so I didn't have to go to work for I think three days. So I thought, all right, I'll I won't take it now. It was Friday night. Uh, if I feel, if I can't sleep tonight because the medication helped me sleep, then I'll um I'll take it tomorrow. So I slept perfectly that night. I've never had a, a more perfect sleep. Like I didn't sleep well because of all the drugs. And then uh, the next day, I thought, okay, if I feel like the withdrawing effects have hit me, because this is some hospitalizing withdrawal effects. Uh, then I'll take the pills again. And so um, I didn't feel anything. And then the next day I thought, all right, if I start feeling mentally ill, then um, I'll take them again. And I haven't had any schizophrenia. I haven't had any borderline reactions. I haven't had any depression, anything since that day. And it was after reading my favorite scripture, 2 Timothy 1, seven. we don't have a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. And a sound mind means a controlled mind. And you don't have a controlled mind with mental illness, and it's a promise
1: and that promise has been granted so and it's the spirit that activates that That's yeah. sound mind so yeah was was there actually a moment i just want to pinpoint this was it in rehab and you are involved with the other group that everything just clicked or do you feel like it was just a progressive
2: it's always clicked like a like a i just i was a very very like overly logical person where i always knew god was real I, you can't remove that from my life because it's a fact you, you, it you just you can't yeah. be twisted up. I know God's real, therefore I have to do something about it. I can't just leave it there because I know I've been given proof. I've been given the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues, therefore God is real. So I, I always had to do something about it. I was just so mixed
1: up in the wrong things. There's a scripture that says that, that God won't give you more than you can bear and hmm. not many people I know would be able to go through what you've been through, but at the same time God always... Stays in touch and, and keeps you right there, right next to him, no matter how bad it gets. And that's what that scripture is talking about. For you, that's obviously hit like a serious rock bottom, and it's it's heavy to listen to. But it really, it really just backs up the immense change that has been in your life since that. Not notwithstanding, though that. As I say before, I think it's amazing that you it appears like you've still never lost this relationship with God for this entire time, right from day one of receiving the Spirit, or even before that, understanding it all the way through, and where others have testified in their experiences how they decided to turn their back on God completely knowingly, perhaps come become an atheist and then or whatever they want to do. And then eventually something happens in their life and they it's just some sort of a switch and they come back and to to know God. Whereas it seems like with you it's been God's just been keeping you right there and you've always been there, but it's been about God getting you through this situation and your journey now, aside from this podcast essentially, how have you been able to help do you feel like that God's given you this journey for a purpose to help others at all?
2: I I don't know about that yet because I've only talked to one person that I know of that does drugs um, or has a problem. If if I know somebody that has a problem with somebody thats that they're caring for, that has a massive problem with, with drugs, I usually, because I know of what it's like, the only thing you can do for them is pray for them. There is nothing else you can do, nothing, because if you go and help them, they're going to drag you down with them, or they're going to take your stuff to get high. That the only thing you can do for someone on drugs is pray for them,
1: and at the same time, that's also the the best thing you can do. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah. It's obviously the best thing. Sometimes but, we don't realise that, but yeah. So, what do you feel like that your purpose is is now? Just to
2: serve the Lord and try and bring other people along. Like uh, I know that I'm I'm good at witnessing because if I can sell drugs to randoms, obviously I can hand a pamphlet out on the street pretty easily. <laughs> like it's nothing to me, so. That's yeah.
1: a that's a uh, different way of, of looking at it yeah. and only only someone with similar experiences would be able to relate to that but it it still rings true to everyone else who hasn't had that experience mm. how easy it is to tell someone about god yeah
2: if you just look at what you've got everybody else needs it
1: they do but they just don't know it it's a good way to finish i think yeah thanks for thanks for sharing thanks for going in depth and i'm sure that lots of people are going to draw a lot from it um, even if they're not even touching illicit drugs or anything like that, just the, the principles behind it. The prodigal son comes to mind hmm. for me.
2: Just to show that the Lord's mercy is just unlimited because I, I did so bad and he still turned around and still loved me and still brought me back.
1: Yeah, amazing. All right, we'll leave it there. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Chris.
0: Well, oh, a truly wonderful testimony of how God can heal us. And a big shout-out to Chris for sharing his story with us. Again, if you need immediate help regarding suicidal mental health, then please contact Beyond Blue support service via their 24-7 phone on one 22 46 36 or visit beyondblue.org.au or contact Lifeline on 13 1114 or visit lifeline.org.au. If you want to know more about how God can deliver you from your illness from your life or how you can come to experience the proof that is in the Bible, then visit therevivalfellowship.com or send us an email at podcast at com. Thanks for listening and until next time, God bless.